welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabel Graham. Welcome back to part two of the podcast on hybrid working. The last time we talked about the impact of hybrid work and how leaders have responded to it on a personal basis. And I also got you to reflect about your response, really asking you to dial into how aware you are of your preferences and the impact that your preferences have on your people. In this podcast, we're going to explore how we make hybrid work in reality. Now, let me just put some caveats in first. What I'm not going to cover is the physical side of how we make it work. I'm making a big assumption that in most organisations, you've figured out the occupancy and health and safety side of things. And you've agreed a strategy on how you're going to approach that. So I'm not going into that. I'm also going to put a caveat that if your organisation has agreed a strategy of what the mix of days in the office and days out of the office looks like that and have created a policy around this, then follow that because you already have some basic guidelines about what that mix looks like. And if they haven't, but instead of putting in place flexible working requests, then follow that procedure. You know, the nuts and bolts of this stuff that affects contracts, I'm not going to explore. What we will talk about, however, is how you make whatever those arrangements are work in practice. And if you haven't got those arrangements in place and you're thinking about how you go about it, then I'm going to signpost this out now and I'll pop this in the show notes that the CIPD, that's the Chartered Institute for Personnel Development, their website, which is the home of the people professional body, has a really decent short guide on hybrid working. So what I am going to explore today is how we lead our hybrid teams and what this looks like in ways of working, ways of behaviour, and how this also impacts on the psychological contract that we have with our team members. Because this is for us to create, and we can do it well, or we can do it badly. Just as people have worked throughout the pandemic, some have really done it effectively, others have made an utter hash of it. So in doing this, we're going to explore five key areas. We're going to look at how we work together and how we communicate together, how we collaborate and how we meet as a team, how we make decisions, who or what is the office environment for, and finally, how we measure performance. So I wanna start with the first two around how we work, communicate and collaborate because they're very much linked. And actually there's a thread running through all of those. So when we think about how we work together, my first point is this, do not do this in isolation as a leader. It is not your decision alone to make. Consult, consult and consult some more. Remember, you have one view of the world, yours, and it's impacted by all the values, beliefs, biases, whether they're conscious or unconscious, experiences and views that you hold. So your view will only be a fraction of the truth, the bit you want yourself to see and to believe. And yet, you know, we're brilliant at lying to ourselves and creating our own version of reality. Your team members will each have another version of this reality. So you need to talk to them and stop making assumptions. Stop assuming because they haven't said they want or don't want something that they do or don't want it. You've got no clue until you ask. 
so get asking. And spend time discussing this with them, both individually and as a team. And if you're listening to this thinking, Annabelle, I just don't have time for this. There are clients to speak to, meetings to have, the day job needs to happen. Then I'm afraid the challenge in coaching me is going to come out because this isn't a recommendation. If your job as a people manager, then you need to stop making excuses. Talk to your people and find out what's going on. Once you've gathered those views from everyone in your team, yes, even those who annoy you and you don't like, I then want you to reflect on the following things. How much time do you spend, and you can look at this by the week or by the month, how much time do you spend with the team and with people individually? If you looked at that as a percentage of the overall working time that you have, what percentage is that? The reason I ask is because this percentage will differ depending on whether you're a player manager or purely a people manager. So what I mean by player manager is somebody who maybe has less than four direct reports. And that means you have a day job to do that delivers the work of your department and function and the team deliver the rest of it. So that means you've got a foot in both camps and you probably will find that you spend less of your time as a percentage with the team and your people because basically you've got less people to manage. It doesn't mean, however, that if you think they just don't need you, you should spend less time with them. That's their decision to make, not yours. Then you need to have a think about if you have more direct reports. So if we're looking a dozen upwards, actually your role is as a people manager and you probably find that 70 to 80% of your job is done through your people with you only having a small amount that falls under your remit. That then means your percentage should be different. So think about the number of reports that you have. Think about the amount of time that you spend and think about what type of conversations you're having with them. Is that balance right? Is it not right? And what needs to be different? And also think about, you know, what do these get togethers look like? Do you speak with everyone every week and have quality time? Or is it just in passing when you're doing the work? Because as a people manager, you should be making time for the following things, whether it be in person or virtually. And I'm going to break this down into weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. So every week you need to have time with the team together as a whole to discuss priorities and workload on a short term basis. So that could be up to four weeks, maybe six weeks out. And also make sure that you're celebrating successes, reflecting on what's not gone well and capturing those lessons learned so that you end up, you know, making marginal gains and improvement as you move forward. But there also should be time with people individually to discuss their well-being, see how they're getting on, especially if we're still working in this hybrid fashion, um, to discuss their week, again, what's gone well, what not so much, workload, priorities, and gain and give feedback. So we've got that weekly check-in and that's very much tactical. And I'll have talked about this in previous sessions too. At monthly, those meetings need to happen as well, but they need to be a little bit more in depth. So monthly, we really want to make sure that the team has time to bond and come together as a team to reflect, to plan and to work on projects and issues that are maybe more than one to three months out. It's not just dealing with the day to day and firefighting. And equally, we need to have that one to one time with individuals to focus on their development. 
and having that developmental conversation rather than operational conversation where you explore challenges, successes and coach your team member. So look at how much time you have and think about have I got those quick catch-ups on a weekly basis? Have I got those more in-depth one-to-ones and developmental one-to-ones on a monthly basis? Then when we look at quarterly, those same types of monthly meetings should be happening. It's just with a wider lens. So from a team, we should be moving into strategy planning and looking three to 12 months out. For one-to-ones, we'll be talking quarterly reviews where we're checking in with goals and giving and receiving feedback and setting new goals. And then annually, we're taking time out to plan a long way ahead. So that's strategy planning. As a team, and also people planning to identify what development your team need to enable the strategy. If you haven't got these types of meetings in your repertoire, then you need to build these into whatever plan you come up with from the next few stages, because these are even more crucial if your team is working in a hybrid way. If you're not all in the same location and you're working on asynchronous work, and by that I mean work that isn't done at the same time, then you're not going to just bump into each other in the tea room. So you're going to need to schedule time to have these conversations and be deliberate about them and overt. Because then when we do that, everyone's on the same page. So if we think about those conversations, what conversations do we need to be having with our people? So the first thing is we need to talk to them as individuals and find out what their view is. You know, what's each person's situation? How much of their role is suited to homework versus office work? And, you know, how have they managed over the last 12, 18 months? How do they feel about working from home or working hybrid or working in the office? What do they personally want to do? You know, they may have wanted to rush back and get back and have all of that communication, or they could be quite happy working at home. So ask them, where and how do you do your best work? And also, I think, bear in mind that the type of work that we do can have an impact on this. So if our work is super detailed and we work and going back to the office means working in an open plan environment, if somebody's been at home for the last 18 months, that's going to be super noisy and they're really going to struggle with that. So be really conscious about where do we do our best work? Then you want to have a conversation about how do you want to be managed? What do you want from me? How often are we checking in? What support and challenge do you need from me? And remember that support or challenge is in the eye of the receiver, not the giver. What looks like high support may not be high support to them. So you need to be asking those questions. What do you need from me? The fact that they might want to check in with you more frequently than you may wish to does not necessarily mean that they're needy. They may just need more communication than other people who are happy to be left alone. So please don't treat everybody the same way. Then you want to have a conversation about what do you expect of each other? And that's in terms of working working life, support, meetings, when and how you communicate and about what feedback, updates, all of that stuff. Go into all the detail that supports how you work. And discuss also what is that team member's working rhythm? You know, do they have kids to drop off and pick up? Um, In which case they're going to be offline at those times. 
are they early birds? They'd rather get up and do seven till two because quite frankly, they're done by that point. Or are they night owls? They're better off starting at 11 and working through till eight because understanding that will inform how and when the team work because you might decide that, do you know what? We're all going to work asynchronously, but actually we're going to be online for some core hours between 11 and two where everyone's available. Therefore, we can have those meetings and check in with each other. It doesn't really matter, but you need to do that with everyone involved and understand what it is. Because talking to each individual builds up the picture that then informs your team view. You then need to have the conversation with your team. So how are we going to work as a team? When do we come together? When do we work apart? What do we come together for? And when we do that, what are our expectations of each other? When are we going to meet? About what and how often? And how long are those meetings going to be? How are we going to communicate with each other and when? Because if we know what those meetings are going to be, or we've got ones that are already working, then schedule them, get them in the diary, make sure they're the scaffolding that form the diary. You also need to think about, you know, what's the team purpose? What are we there to achieve? What's our role within the organisation? And is everyone on the same page with that? And are we also all clear on what the common goals are and the common priorities? Because if we understand that, we can then agree what our role is in the team and what each person's role is and who's accountable for what and agree how we're going to work together. Because understanding that team purpose, team roles and team accountabilities allows us to create our team charter or team ways of working that looks at our behaviours and what we are going to do and not do. And basically agree how we're going to work. Write it down. Send it round. Make sure everyone knows what it is. And also talk about how you're going to hold each other to account. You know, if somebody misses a deadline, doesn't deliver, doesn't do what they said they were going to do. How are you going to do that as a team, not just as the line manager? Now, I know this seems like a lot, but it takes away so many assumptions later on. And remember, the ideas don't need to come from you, so you can co-create it. But you do need to make an effort and be really overt in doing this because it won't happen on its own. Teams are like relationships. They need you to pay attention to them. So once you've had all of these conversations, you should have an idea of what the blueprint of your team working rhythm is. And you can then circulate it and agree. So it might be core hours. It might be that we work asynchronously most of the time, but come together and collaborate at certain times of the week or month, depending on what the projects are. It may be that we work in duos or trios or in smaller groups to be able to share the work so that actually we have more collaboration within smaller groups. There's lots of ways of doing this and lots of books on it, so check it out. Next, I want to think about communication and technology. So what are you going to use for what? Is it Teams, direct message, SharePoint, email, the telephone, WhatsApp, Skype, Skype, Slack, Trello? What is it? You need to have a conversation about what technology you're going to use for what different things. Otherwise, we'll end up with far too much communication. Are emails only going to be for things which have attachments on 
and everything else is going to be messaged in Teams. Are we going to use Slack channels to collaborate? Are we going to put workloads and meetings in Trello? What are we going to do? Think about the technology you're using. Think about the technology that's available to you and talk to each other about what is going to be put where. Because if you're not all together, it needs to be easy. You do not want to be drowning in emails because we've got into the lazy default of doing things like that. Then think about when we meet, what happens? You know, what's the technology that we're going to use for meetings, especially if we're going to use digital by default? And I'll explain that in a minute. Do we all know how to use it? And if not, can we all learn to use it to make sure that we can facilitate in the best way so that we can use breakouts, different app integrations, etc., so that our technology helps us rather than hinder us. And also make sure that we haven't got too much duplication. How are we going to avoid that? How are we going to know who's working on what? And this links so much into communication. What is our expectation of how often people should pick up messages and emails? Are we going to put a timescale around it? Is it within the day? Is it within a couple of hours? Is it within two days? What is it? What are our expectations? Because if we don't have the conversation and don't set the expectation, that's when people get annoyed with each other. And how do we keep everyone informed and included? What is the way of doing that? What is the platform that we're going to use about it? When are we going to use as a platform to say thanks or praise each other or give feedback on it? And remember, if you're going to have people working in different environments, some are going to be in the office, some aren't going to be in the office, and we've got this mix, watch out for banter. Be careful about the language people are using and how they refer to those working from home. Now, we've all been doing it for quite a long time now. And I may have worked, be working at home. I may have dropped off the kids, walked the dogs and turned two loads of washing before I started at 10. And you might have been in the office at eight o'clock. But just remember, when you knock off at five, I'll still be there at half seven. So the reality is I might be doing the same hours, not just in the same way. So be conscious about jokes or banter about only working from home. If people are going to work asynchronously, they need to work around a schedule that fits for them. And that's okay. Because as long as they get the work done, it doesn't matter how they go about it. And this is something, as a people manager, we need to get our heads round. And we'll talk about that towards the end, about how we manage performance. So we've thought about how and when we meet. We've thought about what our working life's going to be. We've talked about how we're going to communicate and message each other. Now we need to think about how we decide on things because we're not all together. We can't just say, quick, huddle around a desk. What are we going to do? So how much autonomy does each person have? And what needs to be agreed or doesn't need to be agreed by you? Let's be really transparent on that. It'll make theirs and your life easier. What can the individual decide, the team decide, you decide? And what's the circumstances where that gets changed? And what or when should something be escalated? Next, when we're in the office or in a meeting, what are we actually having them for? Because there's a real danger that people just go back to the office for the sheer hell of it. And that's pointless. So what are we using it for? 
What do we want to meet in person for? And how will this impact how we create our schedules? For example, if we're back in the office two days a week, are all meetings and relationships happening in those two days? And if so, what happens when you work at home? The reason I say this, you know, if I think back to many years ago before hybrid working was a thing, and most people were working in a head office environment, I was in a role which part of my role was out and about and part of my role was in a head office. But actually when I came into the office, I couldn't get anything done. It was too noisy, too many people chatting. So I ended up with a rhythm, as did a couple of my colleagues, where we'd come in two days a week and all we would do was meetings. We would get together with people, we would have conversations, we would build those connections and we would get the work done that needed to be done that way. Then we would go off either work from home or work from other sites. And that was when we did the work that we had discussed over those two days in the office. So have this conversation about why are we getting together and what does it mean? And also what happens if someone ends up being virtual when we were planning to be in the office and having a meeting? How are we gonna meet? Because you've gotta then think about, do they join on an equal basis? Because even though you may think that they join on an equal basis, I can guarantee in most cases they won't. If they're the only person on the screen or the only person on the end of a phone, they will get ignored by the group. So are you gonna do digital by default? And what I mean by that is if one person is remote, everyone then joins individually from a laptop. So everybody meets in the virtual space equally so they can all be included. Then, what work is asynchronous work versus collaborative work? And how do we agree and define that? And do we get together in the office for collaboration? Or do we get together offline for collaboration too? How do we do that? And what do meetings look like? How do we include all of those who need to come without having every man plus his dog there? You know, we all get invited to far too many meetings. And having got into the virtual world, the danger is everything becomes a meeting. So let's really be sensible. What's a good length? What should be a meeting versus what should be an email versus what should be a phone call versus what should be a Teams message or WhatsApp message? If we can think about that in how we communicate, then what we can do is really maximize the way that we work in an effective way that suits everybody. So that's allowed us to look at what people's working rhythm is, what the team's working rhythm is, what we need to agree as a team, and how we communicate, how we meet, how we deliver the work that we need to deliver as a team, and also how we deal with this virtual versus office hybrid thing. But the final thing we need to consider as a people manager is how we manage performance. Now, sometimes the argument about being in the workplace and having everyone on site is about managing performance. But people have worked remotely long before the pandemic and businesses have been successful with people working re remotely long before the pandemic. And managers have been able to judge performance without seeing them. So we need to consider that we don't necessarily need to be with people to be able to judge their performance, but we do need to be really clear on what the outcomes we want to achieve are because this isn't then going to be about how long I sit at a desk or how long I'm logged online or how and when we're in meetings. It's going to be about what outcomes do I deliver and when does it happen?
Because if we can make our shift, our mindset shift as a people manager to managing by outcomes, rather than by managing by productivity or length of time, then actually how we manage performance in a hybrid world becomes much more easy. So what needs to happen to enable that to be done successfully? Well, the first thing is you need to agree expectations as we've talked about beforehand. We need to agree what is expected of each other because this takes away 90% of conflict, assumption and misunderstanding. And also this links into goals. You need to set smart goals and agree what the outcomes are so that everybody knows on an individual basis and on a team basis. You also need to be discussing well-being regularly and be prepared to have compassionate conversations and listen to people. You know, really make time for them and understand what's going on for their lives. And this isn't about, you know, taking time out specifically for it, but it's being human and recognizing that when we start a conversation, we don't jump straight into the meeting. We spend five, 10, maybe 15 minutes just checking in with people. And we need to follow up. We need to check in with the things that we've set to make sure that they're happening. We need to give phrase, give feedback, give recognition and developmental feedback when things need to improve. And you also need to agree what good behaviours look like. And if you're having the check-ins and the one-to-ones I talked about previously, then you should be getting feedback and seeing people regularly, either in person or virtually, so you can observe their behaviours. You can get them to talk you through what they've been doing and you can have those conversations so you can see what the performance is. And finally, you need to agree what a good one-to-one looks like. You know, are these done on screen? Is it walking and talking on the phone? Is it in person for a coffee every couple of months? If you live nearby, do you meet for a walk? What is it? And what are you gonna discuss when you have those one-to-ones? Remember, we manage our people through a series of conversations. So you need to do just that talk with them. Now once you've had all these conversations you have a template at both a team and individual level and hopefully an agreement which you can start to use. And remember you'll need to come back and tweak and review this every few months or when the the situation shifts. This isn't set in stone forever from now on. So if the working pattern changes in two months time check in is it still fit for purpose? If it changes in six months time check in is it fit for purpose? because the environment is evolving. So the plan and how you're working needs to evolve too. And that's okay. In fact, it's exciting because it means you're going to improve it. And if you feel like this is just too much hard work, then I'm going to say this. Irrespective of whether you are remote or hybrid or in the office, as a people manager, you should be having these conversations anyway. Just now, working in a virtual and hybrid way, they are more important than they have ever been. We have moved forward in how we work dramatically. And we've potentially taken 10 years of development in 18 months. So please don't make the last 18 months the great hybrid working experiment, which your kids will talk about and doesn't exist anymore. Make this the start of a new way of working because You know, things have changed and it's down to you to lead the way, blaze a trail and make a difference. And your people will thank you for it. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader. 